0: Well, I want to first start off by saying welcome to this. This is uh, the first of what I thought of as a series of of sessions and discussions and teaching opportunities on a set of topics that we don't like to talk about until we have to. and But um, each one of us in our lives is going to be or has been already, I'm sure, confronted with issues of, of serious illness, of death and dying and mourning in, in our lives and in our families. And it occurred to me, especially over these recent months when there has been in our community at least so many illnesses and so many deaths, that I was aware, became aware of so many questions that come up in the moment. Um, I thought of it first of all in the in the context of mourning, as Jews decide you know what aspects of Shiva to observe. It used to be everybody knew what to do, and everyone did the same thing. And I imagine in the case of medical care that it was uh, that it was the same. That there was a time when maybe the the guidelines and the situations were easier, or you just listened to the doctor, or there was just one person who made decisions. But in any case, um, it's of course impossible to educate yourself about. Um, how to think about these things and also while you're going through it when there's so much um, that's difficult. And um, hard as it is, I give you credit for coming out um, when you don't have to, when you're not sitting in the hospital or the nursing home and thinking about things uh, ahead of time. I think that, to me, as a kind of preface to all of these sessions, that there are two ingredients that we need that are special to situations of of dying and illness and of death and mourning. But I think they're life lessons for for everyone, for everything as well. And the first is just to be grounded in values, to know what our values are ahead of any situation that's difficult, Um, to understand what it is that we're living by at all times, or at least what we hope that we will be living by. And sometimes to be able, even in an intellectual way, simply to, to talk it out and to express, um, to say out loud, or for some people it's even in writing, to say who I who I am, what I believe, what's most important to me, is very helpful. So when you get to a situation, um, you don't at least have to think about that. Every new situation is going to have its own details and its own nuances, but... Um, but at least you have that. And one- so one part of these sessions I want to begin with is simply by teaching what are some of the Jewish principles, the principles that come out of the, out of the Jewish tradition, and um, to know them. You may integrate them, of course, with other, with other values that you have in your life, with other things that have influenced the way you think. But at least that's my job, obviously, as the rabbi, to, to put that out on the table. As I say, the hardest thing and the most horrible thing is to face a dilemma and not have that. To try to learn or to tell ourselves what those things are um, beforehand when we have a dilemma. So that's kind of the Torah part, and certainly one facet of the rabbi part of this discussion, but not the only not the only rabbi part. And for me, the other thing, and I think I learned this from my father, who is a who is a physician. And I remember going in high school to a lesson about um, medical ethics, a session by actually one of my Jewish teachers with my father, and I was very intrigued by the philosophy of it. And my father, reflecting on his experience as a doctor, said that really, you can take all the ideas and all the concepts, and what really boils down to is who is making decisions. And and our people together. Um, and his observation is that when a family or a group of people with who are connected to a person who is dying or a person who has died, when those people are connected to each other well, they will make good decisions, um, meaning decisions that are, that are good enough and decisions that will not leave lingering residues of, of guilt or of resentment toward one another. And that as much as you can learn and sort of cogitate about these things, um, working on our relationships, knowing that a family that may have to face decisions together, who may live far apart or who've had differences in the past, um, if those things can come together, and I'll be interested, obviously, to hear what uh, what Stephanie has to say about that, too, um, helps. And I will say that what I think much of the role of a rabbi, um, I would think a physician, a good social worker, or any kind of counselor is to do is to make sure to bring People together, not just talk about the task of making this particular decision, but of uh, paying attention and letting enabling people as a group to decide about important things. So the format here is to begin with my presentation about Jewish law and ethics. Um, depending on where the, the time is, we'll take a, a break and a breather at that point to to daven. We have a minion, or nearly, we'll uh, we will have a minion and uh, and be able to to do that. And really, um, it may inspire our davening a little bit to have these, uh, these big things in our mind. And then we'll move on really to a give and take about questions that, that people have. Um, Stephanie is here as a, as a physician, as someone with a lot of just, just the field and the real life experience of advising people from a different angle. And each of us will certainly respond to, to anything you want to say. And maybe Stephanie will have some words, if, uh, if you like, um, of, of preface to. Um, but it's really about the, the questions you have and hopefully orienting that. Um, if we run out of time, if this is such a, uh, and it is an important discussion, we'll, we'll make more time. And of course, we're always here to, to respond and answer your question. So what I wanted to do to start off with was, um, was, first of all, kind of define this topic of, I called it end of life decisions and dilemmas. And, um, and I guess I think about this as two different kinds of things that we, we do think about in the same, at the same time, although I recognize as two different situations. Um, and one is the question of whether to pursue uh, treatments for an illness which, is, which may be uncertain or which may be risky um, for someone um, who has a, a serious disease, um, treatments that might or might not prolong life, um, but where someone is maybe not dying immediately, but that there's, a, that there's a, a terminal illness that may be a chronic illness or a long-term illness. That's one question. And another kind of situation that um, is a version of that is, of course, the is the immediate situation of where someone is near death. And we have to make decisions about continuing um, treatment or continuing nutrition or hydration or do not resuscitate and those kinds of issues that in the more acute phase. And from the point of view of Judaism, I guess the concepts um, are are the same to think about, so present them together. Um, I always think that Jewish ethics has a slightly different angle than, than secular ethics, certainly, and sometimes American ethics generally. Um, so we can't talk about Judaism being more liberal or conservative, more traditional or more loosey-goosey. None of those things apply. Judaism talks in its own terms, and I want to try to give you those terms and you know, where it's relevant to make reference to, uh, to other kinds of terms that, that float around. So the first principle that we talk about in any kind of um, any kind of Jewish ethics is is known in Hebrew as pikuach nefesh, which means the sustaining of life, and the principle that life is sacred, um, that life comes from God, and every person is a is a being who who is the image of God is something we hear about everywhere. Um, we think about it in terms of saving a life or caring about the lives of people anywhere in the world, and it's. Um, it's a kind of principle that um, I think is in the is in the is in the dialogue so much that we can sometimes forget to be forget how revolutionary that was. There have been times, and, and really, I can't say that we've that we're done with those times, <coughs> where um, where life is not sacred in, in every case. And so, um, to say that human life is important and of upno- of utmost importance, and that our lives are important to God, um, this is still a radical principle. Every time we say it. And we say it to remind ourselves that it's, that it's of, of importance. And I mention it because there's a, there is a contrasting concept that I think is talked about a lot in medical ethics, the idea of, of quality of life, um, that the value of a life at a particular time might in some way be related to, to the kind of life that that person is living, is a person who is so suffering or in such pain, um, have the same... I wouldn't say that to have the same right to live, but have the same is the same importance to that life. And at some way, Judaism says yes. Every life, each one of us, is that way. Um, We do not take life. We don't say that um, that if a person is ill, that's simply God's will, and that you shouldn't. You know, we're not from the religious point of view that says that simply comes from God, and we don't intervene. The Jewish principle um, says that uh, that to be uh, that to be. In medical care, to be a physician and a doctor is, is sacred work. To heal people is not to go against God's decrees um, uh, or the way that God is operating in the universe, but it's something that, uh, that we have to do. But we don't take life. Um, assisted suicide is not something which is countenanced in, in Jewish law. We don't try to weigh um, the value of living and functioning against suffering and pain and say that, um, I'm living a life, but it's hard. And therefore the balance, of, the balance of suffering may outweigh my life. As long as I'm living, I'm of value to God and I'm of and I'm value to people, maybe in ways that I don't know. Um, so the, stand, the idea of pikuach nefesh is that we are not utilitarians when it comes to the value of life. We don't try to, to count it up and measure it against some other aspect of living. Um, it's not the case that, that, that the value of life is an absolute principle. Um, on the one hand, it's a dramatic principle. The case that's the most famous way of describing Pikuach Nefesh comes up in the laws of Shabbat and Yom Kippur. And the question is, suppose there is a building which collapses and um, and it's Shabbat and you're not supposed to do certain things on Shabbat and these are the kinds of things that under Torah law you would be punished by death or or punished by God. Um, what if there's the smallest chance or uncertainty that someone Is buried in the rubble? What if there's the smallest chance that somebody um, might be alive, um, even after some period of time? And the principle of fikuach nefesh is if there's even that small a chance that someone is living, we try to to save that life. Um, But, and this is a topic that we could have a whole other discussion about, there are limits. So so classically in Jewish law, if someone tells you um, I'm going to kill you unless you go and kill somebody else, you give your life or um, I'm going to kill you, unless you bow down to this idol, you're supposed to, to give your life. So, um, so it's not 100% um, uh, principle that applies in all ways at all times. Um, the rabbis talk about um, chaye sha'a, chayeh from the word chayim, which means life. Um, what about the, the extension of life by one single moment? And it's true that there are some rabbis who say that every single moment of our life, in whatever way we're living is of infinite value, um, but that's not always the case. And there are stories, and I'll talk about them in a minute in the Talmud, which really convey the understanding of the rabbis that, that sometimes the suffering in another moment or another small period of life is so great um, that, uh, that it's understandable um, to say that, uh, that I wish for death rather than continue living myself, or I wish for the death of a loved one rather than to watch them continue to suffer. Um, it is a human feeling, and I think that, um, that any of us who've been in the, in the difficult end-of-life situations have had it, where we wish sometimes for our own <laughs> comfort that, uh, that a process of dying would end and, and that, uh, that we could move on because of how hard it is. But again, the p- principle of bikuach nefesh is that certainly the, 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 the suffering or the psychological or emotional suffering of a caregiver, um, does not, that is not a measure against the value of someone else's life. Um, so that's always there in the background as a concept, but Jewish law has another has a concept um, that is specific to the end of life, and the Talmud talks about um, in Hebrew. It's called the goses, and a goses is a person who is expected to die imminently, and that's defined in Jewish law as a person who is expected to die within three days. And um, the law is very interesting about this because the statement is that a person who is a goses is considered to be alive in every way, even though they are on their deathbed. And um, so the halacha says that you shouldn't move a person who is um, who is in that state for fear that the moving might might end their life, even though they're about to die. Um, you know, you say the moving, is that moving them from one spot to another spot, or even to rotate them? You know, I don't know particularly, but I think the idea because I want to talk sort of about what I think the the idea is, but and certainly not to do the the, the Talmud also talks about the kinds of things that one might do um, preparing for preparing for a funeral, the ways one might ready a body, um, and uh, that this person is uh, is supposed to be considered alive. and um, and the issue I think in this in this concept is that is that certainly while a person is living, we don't regard them as dead, even if they're dying or even if they're um, completely unaware. Um, as long as as life is going, um, we don't. People will talk to me sometimes about this about um, someone who who is dying and ask me questions about possible funeral arrangements. And I was taught that that you don't plan funerals before before someone has died. Um, and and the, yeah, that's a little different. And I'll come. I'll come. Uh, I'll come as well to that. Um, the and the other thing that I just the way that it gives some context to the idea of pikuach nefesh, the value of life, is is to remind us that that the body in Judaism is considered to be sacred as much as our souls are. The bo- and the body isn't just the place where our souls are, you know, living until they until they go away. Um, you know, who who we are is very much tied tied up with our body, um, the body that we're living in, our physical being. I know that if I were Holler, I'd be a different kind of person, you know, my, my soul in some essential way to God might be the same, but certainly who I am in this world is tied up with, with the body I live in and the, the health which I, which I try to, to have in it. And the idea of the goses is, um, is that that person is to be considered alive. And, um, but there are a couple stories that are told in the Talmud that I think are really pastoral stories. The story is told of uh, Rabbi Yochanan, one of the great um, early rabbis. Um, and uh, when one of his colleagues died, he became despondent. He went crazy. And um, the suffering of not having that person in his life um, uh, took away that which made him him. And it's said that um, that his students prayed that, that he would die. Um, they prayed for him to die to end his suffering. And because of their prayers, um, his death came to him to end his suffering. Um, the story is told about Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi, who was another one of the great early rabbis, the editor of the Mishnah, um, that he too, when he was on his deathbed, his students gathered, and they were praying so fiercely for him to live. And he had a maid who was praying so fiercely for him to live. He was this great sage. Um, but when, and, that his, and that the Talmud says their prayers were literally keeping him alive, were staving off God from, from taking him up to the, uh, to the heavenly court. And it says, but at some point, the maid realized how much he was suffering, and she took a, she took a jug, a ceramic jug, and she threw it out the window. And then the break, the, when, it, when it shattered, the prayers of the students were interrupted. And in that moment in which they were interrupted, God was able to, you know, he was allowed to die. And um, so anyway, what all this means in kind of a, a halachic way is that Jewish law actually makes a distinction between um, prolonging life and prolonging death. A gosseis is someone who is about to die. And we don't have an obligation to prevent someone who is who is about to die from dying. And it's a very important uh, distinction. The question about the uh, the gosses is whether this idea of a person on their deathbed about to die in three days, whether that's a, a category that we can use um, in modern times. Many of our dilemmas aren't about three days. They're about lingering weeks, potentially, or months. So... Um, uh, one of the uh one of the conservative thinkers about about these questions is Rabbi Elia Dorf, who's at the American Jewish University in uh Los Angeles. And uh and he found that there's another concept in Jewish law which is very interesting called a trefa. Um and you should be a little shaken up by the word. It's the the word is trefe, um, which you've heard. And um, treif, which in in kosher terms means not kosher, refers to something that's that's torn apart. The general category of an animal that's been that's been torn, as opposed to killed appropriately, or has a or has a defect which renders it um, unfit to eat, is a is a trefa. And a person is a uh, considered to be in the category of trefa if they have a condition which will lead them to die, say, within a year, a terminal illness, um, which isn't. Causing them to be imminently, uh, imminently dying, but uh, but where where death is expected because of the the outcome. Now it seems like it's and, and the law is very interesting because it's the opposite of the law of the Gosses. And I have to f- try to figure out what this is. The law of the Trefa is that um, is that uh, a person and this and you'll have to excuse this does not sound pastoral the way the Talmud puts it, but I want to tell it to you the way the Talmud says. Um, the Talmud says that a person who who murders a Trefa, who kills that person deliberately is not guilty of murder. Um, that they've killed a dead person, and therefore a court couldn't uh, give them the penalties that come for for murder. Um, or another way that um, that it comes up is there is a question of suppose there's a, a siege of a Jewish town, and the uh, and the non-Jewish uh, conquerors say, you know, we will. We will continue our siege or destroy the city unless you give us the life of so-and-so, and that so-and-so is a trefa. And the rabbis say, of course, he is he's dead already. Um, give him in order to save the life of other people. Um, so it's a kind of weighing, um, which is interesting. And uh, Rabbi Dorf says it's not that we should treat someone as if their life is, is worth nothing um, when they're suffering from a terminal illness, but that um, in our... The way that our situations come about, the question of pursuing every single possible treatment at the risk of great suffering or an uncertain outcome um, for a condition that might cause death—we don't that we don't have to do that if we apply the concept of the trefa. We're not neglecting the sanctity of that person's life if um, if she or he chooses, um, certainly if she or he chooses or has left a directive to choose that in that situation, I don't want every single um, treatment possible. I want to kind of come back to that. Well, that's the way the time frame is, is put within halakha, you know, within the, the Talmudic halakha. And again, you think about all these questions are whether, you know, ancient medicine, medieval medicine, does that really apply till now? But I think, um, for, for me, I think about the, the concept of it. Is a person contemplating a, an illness that in a foreseeable amount of time might lead to, to great suffering and to death, is that person um, required to, to pursue everything if there's not an effective... Um, if there's not an effective treatment. There's an interesting thing, and it doesn't have a name, um, in Jewish law, um, which I'm going to call the, uh, the Dora Principle. Um, Dora Weinberger was a, was a friend of my parents who, when I was in high school, was a woman in about her 90s um, from Hungary, a survivor of the Shoah. And she lived in our community and uh, was part of our congregation, and she was a, an elder and she was alone. And um, and she was well into her extreme years, and she would talk with my father, also the doctor. I don't know if he was her doctor, um, but she had this statement which I always loved. She said, "I am I am the professor of myself," and um, and this principle really is about the question of um, of who makes decisions, and in particularly the way it comes up in Jewish law is um, who makes decisions about about health. Um, of a person. Is it the person or is it their doctor? And, and the Talmud knows of doctors and knows of doctors who have expertise in healing. And so um, again, the discussion about um, who decides comes up in the laws of Yom Kippur. So uh, we are required to fast on Yom Kippur and to abstain from certain physical things. And this is um, considered to be a matter of extreme importance. But um, the Mishnah says that a person who is sick um, or a person who will be harmed by not eating, is, is required to eat. Latalman well, asks the question, well, how do you know if you're sick enough to have to eat? Um, and that's the idea is, well, maybe, maybe you should ask your doctor. So it says, well, um, suppose it's a person who, uh, whose doctor says um, you shouldn't eat, but they think they should eat. Um, it says, well, the doctor says don't eat, um, you, should, you shouldn't eat. Says so well. Suppose you have a person who uh, the doctor says you can eat; it's okay, but the patient says I can't eat. I think that I think that will harm me. And it says well, follow follow the patient. Um, we talk a lot, I think, in, and and you may want to comment on this about uh, patient autonomy, about the right of the absolute right of an indivi- well, the right of an individual to make decisions about their own care, and the way this kind of comes up in Jewish law is that. Um, it's not absolute in the sense that any individual can make any decision about themselves and comport with uh, comport with halacha, but um, it's not always the case that the medical professional knows better what's good for the person. Um, although there should be um, that, that's a relevant it's a relevant consideration. Um, sometimes, in the case of uncertainty, the person is the well. I would not let me say it the other way. Always, in the case of uncertainty, the person, the patient. Is the, one who, is the one who has the ultimate say as to what is right for them. And a person is not judged to be in error if they say this treatment you're telling me about is not going to be effective, I'm passing it up. Or if I come to this situation um, that I don't want you to continue these measures, um, that uh, that person is not wrong for making that decision. There is a sphere for individual decision-making, even for a person who's trying to live according to the, the principles of halacha. So these are kind of the the ideas, and they're mostly, um, of course, they 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 set up the question of when is they they set up the question of when is a person obligated to, to pursue continued medical care for themselves or for a member of their family, and uh, and how do you make those decisions? Then what I want to do um, next is really to talk about some of the situations that come up in, a, in the modern context and how and how rabbis at least think about applying them. So um, let's do that after the break. We'll pause here. We'll Daven. Um, we'll kind of review these and then uh, and then talk about their applications and go and go back and forth and talk with questions.